Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Laurent Bride is the Chief Operating Officer and Chief Technology Officer at Talons. Talons offers a single suite of cloud apps for data integration and data integrity to help enterprises collect, govern, transform, and share data. When he joined Talons, Laurent brought 17 years of software experience, including management and executive roles in customer support and product development. Before Talons, Laurent was CTO at Axway, where he was responsible for R&D, innovation, and product management. Previously, he spent more than nine years in Silicon Valley working for business objects and SAP. Laurent holds an engineering degree in mathematics and computer science from Yesti. So Laurent, welcome to uh, the Second in Command podcast. Hi, thank you. Were you at, um, at SAP and business objects when they acquired um, Crystal Decisions or Crystal Reports out of Vancouver? Yes. yes, absolutely. So I've been at business objects uh, or I've been at business objects a long time. Okay. And- uh, yes, I was part of the uh, uh, acquisition uh, team uh, when we acquired Crystal Decision in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah, one of um, one of our board members and a good friend of mine, Eric Patel, was the the head of finance at Business Objects, and then Hel- Helen Sheridan. Did you know Helen? Yes. She was the head, the head of HR. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I uh, I recruited Helen and hired her to come and work with us at One Eight Hundred Got Junk. We had. We hired a bunch of your great employees out of the Vancouver office. Yeah, yeah. Well, business objects and I guess Crystal Decision were uh, two great schools uh, for people uh, to grow up. Um, and uh, yeah, we still, uh, um, I mean, when people uh, uh, touch base with me, they often uh, go back to my uh, business objects days. And um, it's a small world. And uh, the business objects alumni are uh, pretty much everywhere in the world. Yeah. Well, and do you call them Bob J? Uh, yeah, that's that was the uh, the ticker at the time. Uh, okay. Yes, we called him Bob J. And as a matter of fact, uh, Bernard Lyoto, who was a founder of CNCO of uh, of Business Objects, uh, they held uh, a Bob J alumni uh, dinner in the Silicon Valley. I uh, think was last week. Uh, oh, wow. Unfortunately, I was not able to attend, but they do that every year, and uh, it's really interesting to see how many people uh, uh, join from uh, so many different companies nowadays. Oh, for sure. That would have been an incredible, incredible alumni dinner. You, the talent in that organization was just really strong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So why don't we, um, let's, let's talk to us a little bit about what Talon is. And then I'd actually like to go back to Bob Jay and find out some of your skills that I think you probably pulled a lot of your strengths from, um, from there into your career, or maybe I'm assuming, but tell us what Talon is and let's, let's back up and tell us where you got some of your strengths to be the COO. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when you look at talent, I mean, as part of the introduction, you outline what we do. So at heart, we are a, a, a cloud integration company. And um, uh, what fuels integration is, is data. And uh, so what talent does, it's, it's all about uh, integrating data and do that uh, into different patterns. So when you look at uh, talent and, and how we, uh, we came to be, uh, we started as a, an ETL company, so extracting data from various uh, type of sources, where they are databases, uh, files, uh, any type of format uh, applications. Uh, then uh, we take that data, we merge it, we uh, uh, cleanse it, we transform it, and then we load that into a, a different system. So that's how uh, uh, talent started. 
So at the core of uh, what we do, we have a, a fabric, a, a talent data fabric, that's the, the core platform uh, that does all of those transformation. Um, and on top of that, we have uh, a lot of what we call data applications. And data applications, they are uh, uh, targeting different personas based on what you do with the data. So we have uh, the core uh, uh, integration software where uh, you build uh, complex uh, jobs. We have uh, lighter weight uh, uh, integration patterns that we, uh, we address, like uh, data ingestion. And last year, we acquired a company called uh, Stitch uh, uh, to do that uh, lightweight uh, data ingestion. Um, and then we have uh, other type of, uh, of application data apps that address different personas, like data stewardship uh, that uh, focus on curation of data or uh, data preparation uh, to, do, uh, to cleanse the data uh, in an Excel-like environment with a, a great uh, a UX. And, uh, um, so, so that's the integration and the data quality business. Okay. Um, we also address different type of integration, data integration pattern, uh, whether you're doing batch, uh, so heavy loads, heavy transformation, or whether you do that uh, through a streaming uh, type of data integration pattern or application uh, uh, integration pattern, like uh, through our ESB uh, co-offer, um, where you're really dealing with messages uh, uh, versus uh, uh, structured data. So, so that's what we do. So that data fabric at the core with a lot of uh, data application or data apps uh, on top of that. And uh, there are, when we look at data, uh, nowadays, every company is... Uh, uh, Every uh, company that, uh, that is successful is uh, uh, data-driven. And uh, the idea behind talent is really to uh, make that whole uh, data to insight uh, uh, data chain uh, shorter. So that, that's what we do uh, uh, in a nutshell. Okay. So, and your client base, I would guess, would be all enterprise-level companies, correct? Well, actually, we are cover a lot of... Uh, uh, um, big spectrum of, um, of, of companies. So of course we have big enterprises and, uh, but we are also, uh, we also have very small customers, customers uh, that will only spend with us uh, uh, 10K a year. And uh, they might go with some, uh, some of our uh, uh, cloud search service uh, application. Okay. One of the, the big transformation that we've had uh, over the past uh, two to three years is all that move to the cloud. And uh, um, so we, we are really covering uh, a big spectrum of, of customers, size of customers, segments uh, of the market, from the really small one to medium size uh, uh, to really big enterprises. And we do that in many verticals. If you look okay. at our customers, we have uh, anything from banking to retail to healthcare to uh, uh, technology companies. Interesting. And you're, you're truly a global organization, correct? How many, how many countries would you have customers in, do you think? Uh, yeah, we, we covered the entire globe. Uh, I don't have an exact number on the, the number of uh, countries uh, or, or customers in those countries. But one of the things that Talent did is from the very first day of uh, where ta when Talent was created, so it was created in France. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, being French in that company is really helpful. So it was created in France. We, uh, we had the development center in France. But there were two co-founders uh, and two French co-founders. One stayed in France and the other one moved to uh, uh, the U.S. very quickly. Mm. And uh, we have that very uniqueness of uh, how we, uh, we grew the business. And uh, right away, uh, we went uh, overseas. And uh, if you look at Talent today, we have operations in APAC, of course, uh, in North America and, uh, and in Europe. And we are very, very global from that uh, standpoint. 
even though today we are 1,300 people um, at the company, we, uh, we are really more global than uh, anything, any company that I worked with uh, for this size. Sure. So 1,300 employees, I mean, you almost described it as being small because you've worked with some big organizations, yes. but 1,300 is still pretty big. How do, you, how do you orbit the giant hairball? How do you stay away from all the corporate stuff that weighs down companies and stay, stay entrepreneurial like you have? Yeah, so, uh, so it's all about the DNA uh, of the company. And uh, that's something that the, the culture is something key at Talent. And, um, you know, one of the reasons I joined Talent, and I'm just going to share that anecdote because I think it's, uh, it's important. That's part of uh, how can we stay away from all that corporate, you know, politics and so on. Um, <clears throat> so Talent chairman at the time was Bernard Lyoto, who was the CEO of, uh, of Business Subjects. Uh. And... Um, uh, so I already knew talent because uh, when I was at, uh, at SAP or business subjects, we had some competing offer uh, in with uh, enterprise uh, integration management software. Um, but uh, uh, Bernard um, was not uh, uh, in an operating role anymore at business subjects or SAP. And he called me and he said, you know, we have that role at, uh, at talent. Uh, the, the founders, they want to uh, move on. And uh, at the time, we had the CTO of, uh, of Talent uh, and um, the, the chief product officer at Talent. And we are looking at somebody who has uh, uh, strong uh, um, uh, French roots and understand the culture, uh, but also somebody who can um, uh, bring that culture into a, a new centers and, and ensure that the culture stays as, as we expand. And, and Bernard said, you know, I, I'd love you uh, for you to join uh, Thailand. And uh, I believe that you will find in Thailand what you really like that business subjects. Okay. And um, that was uh, one of the reasons, of course, uh, outside of the product and the success that Thailand had. But that made me join Thailand. And if I look at today and uh, where we are as a company, that's something that we are uh, really pushing for is make sure that we have that culture uh, um, that we had when we were at 200, 300, 500, and make sure that we can replicate that culture every time that we open up a new office, making yeah. sure that we have a culture of transparency, a culture of support, um, and, uh, and innovation and serving customers. But not just, you know, talk about it. I mean, I've been in, a, in different companies uh, in my career, and, uh, uh, but I've, I've also been engaged with many companies from many verticals and everybody comes with their values and um, they often very i mean look very similar mm -hmm. uh, it really depends now how you live through them and uh, how you ensure that you um uh, yeah you keep that, that dna it's it's interesting that that the thread that you just tied between talent and business objects because i have had a minor love affair with business objects vancouver since um, the early days, I loved Crystal Decisions and some of the people. And like I said, we hired a number of their team um, into 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Jerry Gratton, Rodan Gopal Singh, Helen Sheridan, Eric Patel. There was like five or six people that were, were kind of mid to senior level that we hired. And they were all really amazing people. Very, very skilled. Great at communication and conflict management and um, all very customer centric. Is that the thread that is carried in with talent with you then as well? And yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I would uh, hope for uh, and uh, hope so. Um, you know, I also hired some people from business subjects that I worked with uh, um, for a long time, but also uh, 
um, company, uh, people from Axway that joined me as well. And the traits of character that you describe are what we are looking for as well. I mean, beyond being uh, good with, with data, uh, yeah. understanding our market and so on. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the threat, uh, the character threat that you uh, described uh, are um, those that we, uh, we like. So how do, you, yes. how do you find that character? How do you look for it? How do you codify it? Because like you just said, it is separate from the skills of doing their job. It's kind of their DNA of the human first. How do you, how do you look for it? Well, how do you build it into your recruiting systems? Well, it's part of the uh, hiring process and the questions that you are asking, right? So you, you are looking at resumes and, and you often feature with resume. Uh, of course, if you can get uh, uh, some people in your network or someone who knows someone and, and you can share good stories. But as part of the hiring process, when you, uh, you, you need to ask the right questions. And uh, you need to look at, you know, when people struggle, uh, uh, how do they... Um, um, how do they uh, react to uh, to the struggles, or uh, when a company is going through bumps, are they the ones that will jump seats uh, uh, and uh, not sit uh, ships, or uh, will they be the ones that stick around and actually solve the problem? And mm. when you look at business subjects, you know not every, not every time things were all pretty and so on. I mean, I remember at some point the stocks hit uh, what eight dollars. Uh, but people stick around and the leadership there and, and Bernard and his team, they were really pushing. And, uh, uh, you know, when you have these kind of leaders in charge, uh, uh, they will inspire you, they will coach you and so on. And uh, in our hiring process, what the, the, the question that I often ask is, um, you know, have you been through the, some of those struggles? How did you react? How do you assemble your team? What are, key, what are the key things in leadership? What's your... Uh, Emotional intelligence. Uh, um, um, uh, what are your emotional intelligence skills and so on? So it's not just about uh, hard facts, uh, but share. Tell me your story. Who are you as an individual? How do you recruit? Uh, uh, what are the, the the big challenges that you went through? What are the transformations that you had to go through and so on? Mm. So that's part of the uh, hiring process, and uh, the the culture fit is also something that you have to sense. But when you, uh, when you feel like uh, across the organization, so it's not just the leader, but you have to make sure that across the organization you have different relays uh, of that culture. And then when, you are, when, when you're going through the hiring uh, process, uh, you ask those questions. And you are, you know, is there a good cultural fit? I know that when we look at the reports for every uh, uh, hire uh, process that we do, we have that checkbox. Uh, uh, do we have the culture fit? Yes or no? And if this is no, that's kind of a, sh uh, um, a showstopper. Yeah. Do you train all of your managers on doing interviews as well? Yeah. Uh, that's part of the, uh, um, you know, manager uh, 101. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What, so what's the rest of manager 101? Because I've always believed that a leader's job is to grow people. And I have a feeling like Talon is really focused on that as well. Uh, well, so you need to look at the skills. You need to, uh, what's very important is where do you want that person to be? Uh, what kind of uh, in, in five years or three years and, and be really transparent uh, 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 with, the, um, with the candidate uh, on those. Uh, also hire for potential. Uh, I've been in different companies where if you have not done this and that, uh, you're not going to be on that short list. Uh, where at Talon, we also hire newcomers and, and, and people who have a lot of potentials. And uh, as part of the, 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 the management uh, 101 uh, hiring process, uh, depending on the role, uh, um, there might be uh, questions uh, uh, tied to that. 
uh, are you uh, looking for uh, somebody who has done the, 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 the job in that role already or are you looking for somebody uh, who has potential and based on, on, on that what are the, the, the various questions that, that you need to ask um, so you, what we're trying to do as well, and that works really well, is the referral uh, uh, programs. And, and it's mm. even better than uh, uh, going through uh, um, uh, the traditional channels of talent acquisition. But we are really big on referral uh, at, at talent. And it's always good when you have a leader, uh, when you see people following that, that leader. Uh, because it means a lot about the leader. And uh, yeah. Yeah, we had we had the leaders following some of the junior people, which I thought was really amazing. When we saw some of the managers that we recruited first, and then the leaders started to come to us second, we're like, "Whoa, this is getting cool now." Yeah. Okay, how is French culture, French company culture, different from what we know in North America? I mean, I grew up in Canada, but I've worked in, and lived in the United States as well, and I've coached people all over the world. How do you think that French company culture is different, and what can we learn from from French companies? Um. I'm just going to share a, an anecdote here. Um, I, had, I have a, a good uh, friend and a colleague of mine who works for me. I'm not going to tell you what he does because then people will figure out who it is. Um, but uh, he told me we, we had a discussion about culture because sometimes we have big arguments. Uh, so French culture, it's, it's all about the arguments. But we, 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 mm. we, we like to argue uh, but, uh, because it's not for the sake of arguing is uh, we want to make sure that we are heard and uh, that we are focusing on, a, on an outcome. And sometimes it could be uh, heated because uh, we have uh, Latin roots and, 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 and we like that, uh, um, those, those lively uh, discussions. But the anecdote, what he told me is sometimes he struggles with, uh, um, with, with cultures. And I say, oh, you know, tell me, describe cultures. And he said, there, there are like three major cultures in the world. You have the Americans uh, who like uh, who sees America as the, the, the center of the world, and they, they like to drive, and and they are very uh, uh, outcome driven, and so on. You have uh, uh, the Japanese culture, which is uh, much more introverted, and so on. I mean, all of those are great cultures, right? There was no any kind of you know one is better than the other. And I was curious, who's what's the, the who's the, the third one? And and then he told me the French. And I was very surprised. So it was not like Europe. No, it was the French. And, and the, the French culture, it's, um, uh, it's different in a way. So we like to argue, uh, uh, but we are also uh, uh, very open. Um, but uh, we are very good with data. We are very good in mathematics. Uh, we are very good in, uh, uh, I think in, in, in computer science. Uh, where we are not uh, uh, so strong with is business model, it's uh, uh, growing, it's marketing. Yes, there are some areas and, and specific verticals in France where we are really good at that. But overall, I think that the, the US uh, are, are much stronger when it comes to a sales culture, to a marketing culture. Uh, but when you mix uh, the French and the, uh, the Americans, um, they are really moving mountains here. Wow. And, um, and um, when you look at uh, uh, the French culture at Thailand, so we started in France, as I mentioned, we quickly went uh, overseas with uh, one of our founders uh, moving to the US. What we kept in France uh, is the R&D. And uh, having the R&D in France, I mean, once is, uh, we are not competing so much about the, uh, the war on talent here in the, in the US or in the sure. Silicon Valley. And uh, uh, we're also really good at, uh, at computer science. Um, and, and people are loyal uh, in the sense that, I'm not saying they are not loyal in the US, 
but they are they are not jumping from one company to another every two years or every three years or uh, uh, the the French culture is that uniqueness in the sense that uh, we are very attached to the people and uh, to the management and uh, um, a lot of people in France will go after work uh, have, have drinks um, Maybe in the U.S. it's a little bit more complicated because uh, if I look at where we are in the Silicon Valley right now, there's no like bar round where we can hang around just after work. Uh, whether when you are in the center of Paris, it's very easy. But yeah. they like to spend time together after work. And what you see a lot is a lot of friendship uh, uh, between uh, uh, colleagues uh, mm -hmm. in France. So that has pros and cons. Because um, uh, the pros is people are tied together. It's like a family uh, um, so they will uh, support one another, they will uh, uh, jump in and uh, uh, whenever there's a, a challenging situation and so on. Um, the, the, so that's the, a lot of the pros. The cons is sometimes when it comes to make odd decisions because somebody is not performing uh, or uh, you have to go through rejection or uh, anything like that, then because they have that, that culture of closeness and friendship right, and so on, right. it's much harder. Yeah, uh, we don't have that. Say, oh, I'm sorry, it's 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 just business, or uh, yeah, we, we don't have that in uh, in Europe. Interesting. What's the um? What was the French telco? Is it Alcatel? Uh, yeah, Alcatel. Yeah, Lucent. Uh, when, I mean, now they merged, but it was Alcatel. Yes. So yeah, I met the CEO of Alcatel um, about five years ago. I was at the CEO of Sprint's home for dinner, and I was sitting, and Marcelo and I, and I don't remember the the French CEO's name. We were sitting talking, just the three of us. And you could almost see the merger of that French culture and American culture and the meeting of these very differences, but like a, a, an amazing friendship between the two. It was really cool to see. You, you spoke about the war on talent. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually had that down as a question about the competitiveness for people, especially in the Bay Area now in Silicon Valley. How is Talent dealing with that? Um, what lessons are you seeing? And, and I've started seeing almost a, not an exodus, but companies aren't companies are moving out of the Bay area a little bit, or they're opening offices in other areas because of talent. Is that happening in your space? And, and well, <clears throat> so if I look at the, the, the core team here in Redwood city, um, we have, uh, um, some marketing, we have some sales, um, we have, uh, some it and so on, but we don't have R and D. Uh, it was a choice that we made, or we might have a couple of guys uh, doing a SRE or, or cloud ops or, a, um, uh, taking care of our, our cloud production, but uh, that's about what we have in the in the Redwood City office. So we have all the exec team here uh, uh, in the Redwood City office. But when it comes to R and D, we made a choice to uh, uh, go to Europe. We have a center as well in China that was a, a center that we created uh, uh, like almost uh, ten years ago. Um, but the choices that we made was to uh, to remain in France or in Europe. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, three years ago, I opened up a new center. And as part of opening up that new center, we, uh, we had to go through um, um, some criteria. So where are we going to uh, enter? And when you enter a new center uh, or when you build a new center, you are, you are looking at different constraints. Uh, how far is it from the existing centers? Uh, what's the cost? what the uh, turnover uh, looks like, do you have strong university around, and so on. And, and clearly, the, the Bay Area was not uh, um, in the first year of that. Not oh. because you don't have talents here, you have a lot of talents. Not because you don't have universities, you have really strong university nearby. But then, it's really hard to compete 
uh, from a, a cash perspective uh, yeah. with the companies like Google and Facebook and, 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 and those are uh, on, on the perks. Um, and, and even if you could, the challenge is how, how long are they going to stay in the company? Right. When you look at core development, you know, it might take six months for a core developer uh, to be uh, really productive on the job. And uh, here you don't want the guy to, uh, so you're going to train, you're going to invest in the person because we invest heavily on, on people. Uh, and then after uh, six months, he's, he's, he's good, he's productive. Yeah. And he's going to stay another year and then he's going to tell you, you know, I have an offer that's going to pay me 20 more percent. I'm going to move on. So, so um, uh, that's one of the, the main reasons that we didn't uh, open a, a, an R&D center here. Uh, but they are still, um, we are still growing in, uh, in Redwood City, but in different functions. So there's a strong war on Thailand when it comes to core development. There's a strong war on talents for everything else, but we are really finding good resources as well um, uh, in, in marketing, in sales, uh, in some uh, uh, specific leadership functions, in customer success and the likes. And, and here, um, how we win that war on talent? So obviously we're trying to match uh, uh, cash, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not always the, 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 the solution. Uh, perks, I mean, we have good perks, but, uh, you know, nobody can really compete with, uh, with Google. So where do you compete? You have to, uh, to compete on um, uh, what you're going to do for the company or how much autonomy uh, that you're going to get or what kind of difference you can make within Thailand versus other companies. Mm, interesting. Yeah, so if you... Um, Let's say that you are, you are a developer or you are in marketing and uh, you join Thailand, the impact you're going to have on the company is going to be much bigger than if you are uh, someone lost uh, in the middle of, uh, of those big companies, those big corporations. So even though you have all the perks on the side, you might have uh, uh, more uplift on the cash or on the stock front. Um, what kind of impact are you going to have? And then um, how well are you going to fit uh, with that culture? And um, every time I, have a, I interview people, I, I, I share with them the story, why I joined Thailand and so on. And that becomes some uh, ammunition um, right. on that war on Thailand. So it's not just uh, the, the, the perks and the cash and so on. It's can you move the needle in the company? Can you have a big impact? And then can you, uh, uh, what's the um, potential of talent? And when you look at the, uh, the transition that we made to the cloud, when you look at the kind of growth that we have uh, um, on, the, on our cloud business, we are one of the most uh, appealing uh, uh, company if you, uh, if you focus on that. And that needs to be part of the, um, the decision criteria for somebody to join us. Interesting. Um, but yeah, going back to a, a dev center, three years ago, we opened up a, a, dev, a new development center in Nantes. I don't know if you are familiar with that area. So it's... Uh, in, like closer to Normandy. Uh, um, and uh, so we started from zero. We are today uh, about 145 people in that office. Wow. Uh, so we were able to, to scale uh, big time. I think turnover is uh, in the two, three percent. Uh, so it's kind of a good uh, if you compare that to uh, uh, some yeah. of the companies in the Bay Area. And they are very, very talented people. And um, one of the things that if I want to close the loop with that whole DNA and culture, one of the things that we've done when I look at Suran and Nantes is we took a, a couple of guys, really a couple, uh, that we moved from Suran to that uh, new office in Nantes. And uh, part of their objectives was make sure that we, uh, we keep our culture, make sure uh, that uh, 
um, yeah, we can replicate that. And there are really tight relationships between uh, all of those centers. And that's something I'm really proud of, actually. Yeah, culture, culture when it's done right, really becomes a magnet for great talent. Yes. And I think you've, you actually gave me the, the real recruiting advantage that you're going after is the meaning on your work, right? What, what value are you going to find day to day in showing up and working so hard if you're just a big, in a big, huge company? You're going to get yeah. way more up. Um, yeah. you, and you I, one, one last thought on that one is uh, also the resume. So er, early on in the, the podcast, you, uh, you mentioned business subjects and, and the alumni network and so on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, there, yes, you have people leave, leaving talent. I mean, that's part of the game. You're of not, we're not, we are not uh, my dad spent his entire life in the same company. I didn't, and I'm not expecting my kids to do, right? Um, but one great thing is, Oh, you are a, a talent alumni. So that needs to be a, um, a big uh, pros in your resume down the road. And, and that's what we are aiming for as well. Like I, you know, being, having spent time at business subjects was a big uh, uh, positive on my, on my career and my resume. And, and I would hope that talent is the same. That's cool. So, yeah. you, you mentioned the referral program. So mm-hmm. can, you, can you tell us what your referral program is or how you run a referral program? Or is it just the mindset of we're always looking for more great people just like you? Yeah. So, so the referral program is, it's always easy. I mean, you know your network. You know the people that you work with. And uh, when you refer somebody, it's a, it's a win-win situation. So you refer somebody, you put your name on the table. I'm not going to refer somebody that I worked with in the past. That's kind of a, a weak uh, performer. So by, by uh, focusing on your network and you refer all, you, you ensure that the quality of the people are, uh, are already high. And it's also, I mean, as part of the referral program, people get bonuses as well. So uh, when you hire somebody uh, in the company uh, or somebody that you used to work with, uh, and that person joins talent, you get a, you get a bonus, and I'm not going to share uh, that exact number, but you get a bonus, and um, uh, uh, of course that person needs to perform, that person needs to stay a certain amount of time at, at talent, but you get a bonus, and it's really a win-win situation because uh, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you hire the right talent, if you find the right leaders, and and uh, usually you know you hang around with the people you like and the people who share the same value. So I see that as a virtuous circle. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you can hire people that you used to work with and, and you know their strength, you know their weaknesses and so on, you're very transparent with it, uh, then it, makes, it, 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 um, it takes the company uh, um, higher above. Okay, that's cool. I heard a, a great um, recruiting bonus idea from the group at Top Grading from Brad and Jeff Smart. And they said that, let's say you're paying someone $100,000 a year you put a recruiting bonus in place of $50,000 and mm-hmm. it's paid $10,000 a year for the next five years. And it's paid at the end of each 12 month period, as long as both people are still with the company. Yeah. So it becomes a, a huge recruiting bonus, but it's also because it's spread over five years, it's kind of amortized. Um, but it becomes, it's a very meaningful number, but it also becomes a retention bonus as well because you really want to make, and it's only paid at the end of 12 months into 24. So you've kind of got 11 months to know if the person's really going to work out anyway. Yeah. So we, we have something, it's not as I, uh, <laughs> but it's and, good. Um, and, and it's fit in two today. 
So uh, there's one up front, and then after a certain amount of time, uh, they get the other half. Okay. But yeah, that's the, the retention piece is really important. Mm-hmm. Now, what you want to make sure is that, yes, those people are, are performing uh, over the, 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 the five years. But yeah, yeah. If, if they're not performing, they're going to get fired anyway. So, um, but yeah, they, they're certainly not going to jump ship. If you've, got, if you've recruited three people into the company, and all of a sudden you're making 30000 a year just because of your recruiting bonus, it's a pretty good little pretty good little perk. Tell me about your leadership skills and, and what, what do you think makes you a strong COO, especially when you're kind of straddling the COO, CTO roles? Yeah. So I think that um, I'm, I'm, I'm not the usual COO uh, in the sense that uh, I, didn't, I didn't grow um, in the business um, like uh, um, or in the sales or in the field and uh, uh, or in the finance organization or anything like that. Of course, I interacted a lot with all of those. Uh, but I'm not your typical CTO either, uh, in the sense that I actually held uh, various fields position and I, I, uh, I work very closely with, with customers all the time. I think that, uh, um, and here I don't want to, uh, you know, part of a, a French traits is we like to be humble. Uh, we are not talking a, a lot about ourselves and so on. So uh, I'll try to be a little bit American here. Um, and um, I, I think that what makes me uh, uh, good at what I do is I like to still get my hands dirty. Uh, I'm not coming with, uh, you know, uh, yes, I do build corporate messages and, and strategy and so on, but I, I'm trying to stay really close to the field. I'm trying to stay really close to uh, uh, developers, to architecture, uh, uh, to uh, customer challenges when they, uh, uh, that they have currently and we are trying to solve or challenges when they implement the product. I'm trying to also uh, stay close to uh, the sales organization, uh, um, understand the market, understand their struggle, understand uh, whenever uh, we have a go-to-market strategy, how does that fit with them? Listen. So I think that you know, when you look at... Um, uh, a strength of, of leaders nowadays, it has to be about listening, uh, show humility, uh, get your hands dirty and, and spend time in the trenches with your people. You know, whenever you go to battle with somebody, you like to go to battle with somebody maybe who has a, a few scars, uh, somebody who knows that uh, um, he will stick with you uh, uh, through the, the, the fights and, and the, the challenges. Um, so yeah, so for me, that, that being humble, um, listening to people, being truthful and transparent when something goes well, yeah, you have to highlight it. But uh, if we have running through uh, some challenges, you have to be transparent about it. You have to show that you know where you're going um, and you have uh, uh, um, options and, and, and uh, solutions to problems. It's not just about being transparent. We have a problem, uh, go and figure it out. Uh, no, you have to uh, to show that yeah, you know what you're talking about, and uh, uh, and you have cred- that's how you build up credibility with the team. And the listening piece is when you don't know, uh, you don't know, and you need to ask and realize that. I've I've worked with uh, with people in the past, or I've seen uh, um, uh, leaders uh, not not with my current teams, but. Uh, who uh, um, were afraid to lose uh, face uh, if they say, oh, I don't know, or uh, it's, it's actually okay. I mean, I think that part of the hiring process and being a leader is to, uh, especially when you have a lot of different functions that you manage, is to have people that are stronger than you in some of those areas, like 
I like to hire a, a stronger architect than I am. I like to hire uh, uh, the right people who drive uh, uh, technical alliances and uh, uh, or, or product management. I mean, obviously, you want to know enough uh, to add value across the board. But your role as a leader is to enable, and it's really okay to have smarter people in the room than, than, than you. I mean, it's actually mandatory, I think, for, to, for being a strong leader. Yeah, that's such a huge skill when a leader can actually grow to that level that they really do. I mean, we've always heard it, that it's, it's smart to hire people better than yourself, but there's a confidence that comes with that when you start doing it and you realize that you will be okay and you're not going to get displaced. Um, I've always joked about the, um, how proud I am of how humble I am. I'm so proud of my humility. <laughs> yeah, it's so, kind of like yeah. the, the French are so proud of how humble they are. It's like, yes, wait, yes. what? <laughs> um, if you were to, you know, when you have to do skip level meetings and you have to kind of jump over one of your direct reports to meet with their team, any lessons for us on on how to do a proper skip level meeting? Um, well, it depends on the people you skip, uh, and and here it's it's funny. Um, I have a couple of French people um, that uh, they don't like that. They don't like that because they will see that as a threat. Why do you skip level me? You know, you have, you know, in older Europe, uh, or depending on the people you worked with, they might be a really old school when it comes to hierarchy and you have to go through that and so on. Um, but most of the people I work with, they are okay with that. And the reason they are okay with it is you explain why uh, you want to do that. And uh, it's either to gain time or for you to have a first-hand feedback on the, on the situation. Or, uh, and, and the employee, they actually like that when they have the ability to go and, uh, and skip one or two or three levels. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I'm often talking to developers uh, that are uh, three or four level downs, and, and that's, that's completely accepted because the, the, the management that you skip, they know that you do that uh, not because you're trying to, uh, to have a different version or so you don't believe what they are telling you. Um, if they feel like you are doing that for the right reasons, it's, it's really okay uh, to get a grasp on the situation, to educate yourself. I like to do that to educate myself on what's happening and uh, to keep touch with, uh, with, with the ground. Mm, I like that you said it's, it's very different from the people that you're skipping to. Okay, if you were to go back to your 21-year-old your self, if you were to go back and give your 21-year-old Laurent some advice that you know to be true today but you wish you'd known earlier in your career, what would that be? Uh, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. Maybe if I go back to uh, when I was 21st, I will not be a CEO and a CTO. I would be a doctor. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, so maybe that's what I would ask myself. So believe in yourself. Uh, you know, if you want to do something, just do it. Um, but I'm not complaining because I, I, I stuck to, uh, uh, believe in yourself, take risks. Um, and I, I took many risks, so I would not change that. Um, sometimes, uh, if I go back to, uh, uh, when I was much younger, I had sometimes the wrong fights. Uh, for the sake of the argument or maybe that was my strong French culture there. I want to be right and uh, I'm going to take on some fights that were uh, completely uh, futile or useless. Uh, so I would look at those twice and uh, don't do that again. Uh, and listening, you know, you might have some people um, that are wiser than you and it's good to, uh, uh, to listen to them um and uh, maybe find uh, even more uh, coaches or mentors uh interesting if i, if I look at uh, the past uh, 20 years or so of my career i had a, a few very 
um, high level uh, or highly skilled and valuable mentors. And uh, I, I kind of owe them where I am today. So mm. listen, listening to uh, those guys uh, uh, even more. And um, yeah, sometimes just drop some of the fights that are not worth uh, uh, fighting because uh, it's going to get you uh, all worked up uh, for, for no value. That's awesome. Well, why don't we, when we get off our call, why don't you drop uh, each of your mentors a little quick note and say thank you for all the experience because I'm sure they'd love to hear from you today. Yeah, so that's a good one. And I know who they are. Yeah, that's, there you go. They'd love to get it. I've, I've done it a, f- a couple of times with one of my early stage mentors from 20 years, 30 years ago. I'm going to attempt to say this in French, but je parle français comme un bébé, which means I think I, I speak French like a baby. Um, but merci pour tout la sagesse. Is that thank you for your wisdom? Yeah, or? Wisdom, yes, that, that was go. good. Thank you very much. Canadian, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm Canadian, but I speak French like a baby. Um, <laughs> Laurent, thank you so much for sharing with us today on the Second in Command podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, merci beaucoup. Thank you. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.